Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon. I saw myself this afternoon, well, I should say this afternoon, earlier in the evening, reading from Hebrews chapter 4, just one particular portion of Scripture, and then we're going to go into the teaching that I have for tonight. Amen. I believe God that that he's going to use this Scripture um, in somebody's life here tonight. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Isn't that interesting? Has passed through the heavens. We always had this mindset that there's one heaven, but scriptures teach us there's more than, there's more than one, what's the word I'm looking for? There's more, one, more than one level, more than one strata of heaven. And he goes on to describe who it is, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. In other words, let's, let's hold on to the faith that we had when we originally came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's hold on to that declaration of faith that we made. Let's hold on to that statement of what we claim we believe because you see, everything is gonna come in life to try to rob that confession out of your heart, to try to get you off of that stance of faith. Amen? For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. That's our Lord Jesus. He came to this earth and lived just like you and I subject to everything on this earth that would try to wear him down, to weary him, to get him to give up, tempt him. Then it goes on to say, but he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He didn't give in to any of them. And then here's probably one of my favorite verses out of the, the book of Hebrews. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us come. He invites us to come, just like that song we sang. He invites us to come. And what's he inviting you to tonight? He's inviting us tonight through this scripture to obtain mercy, to receive mercy, to receive grace. Now, don't mix those two up. I like to put it this way. I see how this has worked in my life, how the Lord Jesus has, has kind of led me to understand this as it pertains to my life. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that all have sinned and fallen short. Uh, New King James says, fallen short of the glory of God. We could put it this way. We've all sinned and we've fallen short of God's standard. There's not one of us in this room. You may be a much better person than I am. You may be a wonderful individual. Maybe you treat people much, much better than, than any of the rest of us in here. But the fact of the matter is, every single one of us was born in sin. Every single one of us are sinners. That goes across the board. Now, when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ and we we become what the Bible calls being born again, or our, our spirit that was previously dead to God comes alive, when we declare our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we believe that he's the son of God, that we believe that when he died on the cross, he wasn't murdered, he wasn't martyred, he sacrificed himself to pay for your sins and for my sins. And we believe that he rose from the dead. When we declare those facts, when we declare what we claim we believe in our heart, 
there's something that takes place spiritually where we go from, from a kingdom of darkness, we go from darkness, we go from a state of going to hell to not going to hell. And it's not based on how good we are or how many good things we did. It's not based on how much money you gave or how long you pray. It's based on the fact of what do you believe about Jesus? Now, there's only one problem. We don't stop sinning. <sighs> you still sin. And, and don't give me that stuff. And, you know, well, no, not me. No, no, you, you just did. You just sinned. You just lied. <laughs> so you proved it out. So, so, so here's what happens now. God who is so, I can't put it any other way, but God who is so in love with us that he makes provision not only for when we leave this earth. When we leave this earth, that's an easy thing. We already said, Jesus, we believe in you, bam, we die, we go to heaven. But there's only one issue here. We don't just die right away. It might have been easier if we just said, Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior, and go to heaven. <laughs> but it doesn't happen that way. You're still living on this planet. And on this planet, there's always going to be influences. There's always going to be temptations. There's always going to be a tendency for us to lean towards sin. So then what remedy does he give us? What we obtain. Can you put that, can you put that scripture up there? Tim, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, so everybody can see it and I can walk through it with them. Like a nice guy. Everybody say hi, Tim. Hi, Tim. Everybody say thank you, Tim. For always being so faithful. There we go. Let us. So this tells me we have a choice, right? We can or we can choose not to. Yes or not? See, God never, for, God never takes anybody by their throat and forces them. God draws you. He lets you experience his love. He lets you experience his presence, just like we did tonight. Let us therefore come how? Boldly. Boldly. Now, see, that's, that's not easy. Because when you and I are aware of our sins, the last thing we want to do is come before God's throne. We want to hide. We want to do like Adam and Eve did. They hid. They covered themselves with fig leaves. Okay? So let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may do what? Obtain. What, what do we want to obtain? Mercy. And then do what? Find grace to help in time of need. Now, I, I like to explain it very very plainly this way. Mercy is what God gives us to cover our past. You got that? Because you can't change the past. If you sinned just before you walked into church tonight, you can't change it. The fact is, you sinned. Whether it was in here, whether it was out, whether it was something you said, something you thought, whatever it is. And I'm not trying to make anybody paranoid because it's really easy to sin. A lot of different ways. So now, so now mercy covers me so that I don't suffer the consequence of something I did. But now, let's be honest with each other, and I remember having this conversation with the Lord at one point in time, and I said, look, can we just be real honest? I'm probably going to do this again. <laughs> I'm just like you. I, I realize this isn't the last time I'm going to have to come to you for forgiveness, so I receive the mercy. I've come here. I obtain mercy from you because you are merciful. You're full of compassion. Your loving kindness is forever. 
So I received the mercy for that thing that I did, for those things that I did. But Lord, again, let's be real honest. I'm probably going to be here again tomorrow for something else. And so what does he give us? He allows us to receive grace to help when? A time of need. That, that covers our future. He's got your past. He's got your present. He's got your future covered. There's mercy for the things that we've slipped up and fell into. There's grace for the things that we're going to face in the future. He's got it all covered. Now, if you read Hebrews chapter 4, the context of Hebrews chapter 4 is rest. You get you getting this? It's rest. Now, I can rest when I know that he's got mercy for my past and he has grace for my future. There's nothing left for me to cons- be concerned about, right? There's nothing that I think is still hanging out there that needs to be dealt with. He's got mercy for your? I'll say it again. He's got mercy for your? And grace for your? You got it? All right, good. All right. Um, yeah, we could do this. All right. Here's what I want to talk about tonight. And I'm really glad you're all here. Because this is one of those things you're going to take home with you. And you're going to be telling somebody, you should have been there Wednesday night. I want to talk to you about endurance. Endurance. Not rescue. Endurance. Our society loves cliches. You recognize that? We love cliches. And right now, right now, with all the suffering that's going on with the hurricanes and earthquakes and how many states are on fire out in the Midwest and even countries overseas in Europe all of a sudden are experiencing wildfires. There's all kinds of craziness going on in the world. Welcome to the world. You're going to hear a lot of, well, you know, tough times make tough people. You're going to hear a lot of, well, you know, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You realize that those are not always true, right? Because, you see, if a person is depleted to begin with, tough times are not going to make a tough person. Tough times are going to knock down and knock out that person a little bit that they have. God bless you. Are you listening to me? Tough times don't necessarily make tough people. There are some individuals that are not going to survive losing everything to the hurricane. There are some individuals that are not going to, they're not going to emotionally, mentally going to survive the fact that they have nothing left. I remember when, when the hurricane hit here, well, the superstorm, Sandy hit here. We were hearing stories of people, elderly individuals, who had homes here on the water that were destroyed and had no flood insurance. And many of them, what they did was they went to their front lawn, took out the key to the front door, dropped it on the lawn, and walked away. They could not afford. I mean, if you're 85 years old, what are you going to get, a 30-year mortgage now to rebuild your house? Unless your name's Methuselah, it's not going to work. So literally, there's going to be some individuals, and we pray God that it's not the majority of people, but there are going to be some people in the, in the Florida Keys or some people on those islands in the Caribbean. They're not going to recover from this because, because they weren't prepared for it. There's going to be some things that are going to try to come against us in life that if we're not prepared ahead of time, 
we may not come out on the other side and be okay. Are you listening? I know that sounds like gloom and doom, but um, it's just the way it is. Let's be honest with each other. Let's be, let's be realistic. I noticed something on social media last weekend. Somebody, one or two people pointed it out to me. If it's you that's here, thank you. I noticed that even people that are professed non-believers, they don't, have, they don't believe in God, they don't believe in Jesus, they don't believe in anything that, in faith. But many of them were asking for prayers this past weekend. Pray for, pray for my family in Florida. Pray for my family in, in Texas. Pray for my, my friends. Pray for, well, and I bring that up to say this. Tough times sometimes are the best times for the gospel to go forth. You've heard me say this before. In 2006, we started the food pantry. The first month, we had 400, no, the first week, we had 400 people show up. We were completely unprepared. We were never expecting that in our town there would be that kind of a need. By the end of that month, we're scrambling looking for help. I'm calling people from uh, outside of the state, from other parts of the, of, the, of, the, of the country, and say, can you please come here and help us for a couple of months? We're overwhelmed. Now, that was 2006. In 2008, when everything collapsed, the whole housing market, and, and everything went south, and people lost their jobs, all of a sudden, we started to see real estate people, lawyers, teachers, coming to the food pantry, and it was the easiest thing in the world to, te to tell them about Jesus, where a month before, they didn't want to hear a thing. So, so in that sense, tough time brings people to their knees. And, and I'm not saying that God sends these things for that reason. Okay? Even Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save the world. Okay? But when tough times do come, God will use this situation to the person's benefit, to get them to understand. Again, when you think you're a big shot and you're living high horse and you got all kinds of money in the bank and you've, you know, you're, you're big and, and you know, you're, you're in your social circles, you're like the big shot there, it's hard for you to bow your knee and say, I need Jesus. Now, that's not for anybody. That's not for every one of us. That's for certain individuals. But what I'm saying is we saw back in 2008 something shifted. Now, we're seeing that again. We're seeing this past year or two. I don't know what happened. But people who previously did not want to hear anything about God, they want to hear anything about Jesus, all of a sudden now interested in Jesus. God's drawing the hearts of people. Now, I will say this again. We're living in tough times. But guess what? As long as we're on this planet, there's always going to be tough times. Now, if anybody needs to be prepared for tough times, it's the church. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about the building. You understand what I'm saying? We're the church. The church is made up of people. The church is not made up of buildings. Buildings are where the church meets. Buildings are not, are not, uh, buildings are not the church, okay? You, you got that? Now, listen. Endurance, I want to describe it this way. Endurance is a specific gift from God. It's a grace. Now, when you hear that word grace, I don't want you to think the grace because most of us think of grace as like we talked about in that scripture in Hebrews 4, 16, that it's grace that's going to help me uh, not sin, okay? 
And even Titus chapter 2 talks about the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness. In other words, there is grace that helps us to resist sin. But, but there's more talk about grace in the New Testament, about grace being an empowerment to do something that you normally can't do on your own. Right now, I am standing up here by the grace of God. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that like this, oh, weak old, oh, poor me. No, what I'm saying is, when I come up on this platform, I do not come up in my own strength. I come up after I've having, having committed myself to God and said, Lord, if you don't have, if you don't speak through me, if you don't give me what this congregation needs, I have nothing to say because within myself, I can't do this. So, so I, I step into a grace, and that's not grace to keep me out of sin, at th this gift. This gift is grace that permits me, empowers me, allows me to do stuff that I can't do in my own strength. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay? Now, endurance is a grace of God that keeps us from giving up and giving in. Every one of us in this room tonight have some type of adversity in our life, to one degree or another. Some of you are facing stuff that's like, how did you make it this far? Others of us are facing some things that are just normal, everyday pressures of life, bills to pay, uh, marriage to upkeep and make sure that it stays strong, children to raise, uh, whatever, careers to pursue. It's, you know, nobody, unless you're dead and laid in a coffin, surrounded by flowers, everybody has some type of pressure. Yes or no? Yes. So, life is going to keep coming at us so that we're going to need to develop endurance if we're going to finish strong. Why is this so important? Why is endurance so important? Because life is not a sprint. Life is a marathon. You're going to get up tomorrow morning. You're going to have to face some of the same stuff you faced this morning. You're going to get up Friday morning. You're going to get up Saturday. You're going to get up Sunday. Come to church. Okay, you're gonna, you're gonna, life keeps happening. Life keeps coming at you. Challenges keep coming. You're going you're gonna to open the mail tomorrow. There's going to be more bills to pay. You paid the ones last week. You paid the ones last month. Tomorrow, next week, whenever. You know what I'm saying? There's always going to be things that you're going to face. So, and the, and the thing here is this. This is what I want to bring, a, a real central truth I want to do here. The Bible describes our spiritual life as a race. And in essence, we're all running this spiritual marathon. The truth is, our journey through life is made up of seasons. Okay? There's two things I want you to, to consider tonight. Your life, my life, my life is made up of seasons, times of change, but we're also, our life is made up of stages of life. Are you getting this? And in every stage of life, there are also seasons that you go through. You notice every year, especially in part of the country we live in, there's what? Four seasons. Well, there's supposed to be four seasons. It seems like we go from winter to summer most of the time, then from summer right to winter. Okay. But you understand what I'm saying. So in every stage of life, when you're a child, when you're in elementary school, I remember saying to my wife and saying to somebody else, just last week, a week before, when I started hearing children getting ready, and it's their first day of school, their first day back to school, I literally started getting stomach cramps. My stomach started to get tightened up. Why? 
I hated the first day of school. If I could have done anything to avoid going to the first day of school, and, and those thoughts, I mean, I'm 61 years old, and still when I hear going to school, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I mean, I go back to the first day, I go back to the first day of junior high school. Now, watch this now. We had moved from, from the city, moved out to the suburbs, and I went from an urban inner city Catholic school to a suburban public school. Now, now I'll make it even clearer to you. I went from a, an all Italian Catholic school <laughs> to a suburban school full of all of you guys, you know, all Americans. <laughs> and I never realized how Italian we were until I was put into a different, completely different culture. But to this day, I could remember the feeling of wanting to vomit walking into that junior high school cafeteria and not knowing a soul amongst the thousands of kids that were in there. What, why did I say that? What was I talking about? <laughs> Seasons. So, so here I am, a, a young teenager. Now I'm in the stage, watch this now. I'm in the stage of life of a young teenager, but I'm in the season of fear, intimidation, insecurities, uncertainty. I'm going to toss my cookies. I'm just, I'm just nervous wreck. We go through seasons. Let me, let me backtrack. We endure seasons. We're all going to endure a season. Are you listening to me? You're either going to come endure it and become a victor, or you're going to endure it and become a victim. But everyone, nobody escapes. Nobody escapes. We're all going to endure life. We might as well get prepared. We might as well build ourselves up. We might as well see what God has to say about the situation. Get ourselves to the place of being built up so that when those seasons change, when we go from one stage of life to the other. I noticed that life got real complicated for me when I went from being a teenager to a young man in a relationship, and then it got really crazy when the engagement ring came out, and then it really got started to get complicated. Then as far as when we got married, that was a whole nother deal. Okay, and if that wasn't rough enough, then when the little toddlers started showing up, it's like, uh, this is crazy. Now, one thing I will advise you to ahead of time, we're obviously not going to be able to finish this. I'll finish this next week. Do not get set in your ways. Here's what happens to us. The thing that prevents us from being victorious from season to season, from stage of life to stage of life, is you and I sometimes get set in our ways. And so we want to fight this battle in this season the same way we fought the battle a decade ago. I noticed that when the pressures were on me as, a, as an adult, and especially most of my life I've been self-employed. So now self-employed people have the special privilege of having two sets of pressures. You've got to have the pressure of your home, your house mortgage, your bills, your electric bills at home, and then you've got to have all the bills that go with the business. So it's like a double whammy, a double amount of pressure. I noticed that I could not deal with life in that stage of life, in that season of life, the way I did when I was a teenager. See, when I was a teenager, when things would get rough, I'd wake up in the morning and go, oh, mom, my stomach really hurts I can't go to school today anybody ever done that 
I got so desperate one time, I threw myself down the stairs. <laughs> threw myself down. They believe I slipped. I said, oh my God, I can't even breathe. I can't. I got to stay home and rest. <laughs> but I noticed I couldn't handle the pressures of being a businessman, a father, a husband, a father, bill payer. I couldn't throw myself down the steps and get away with it. Because guess what? The bank is waiting at the bottom of the stairs. They still want their check. Uh, am I making myself clear tonight? It, see, we're laughing about this tonight, but we're getting empowered here. Let me show you why. When you start realizing that everyone goes through seasons of life and everyone goes through stages of life. Did you ever meet a 50-year-old that acts like a 14-year-old? Don't point at anybody. You know, I don't want to, you know, but the typical 30-something-year-old 30, 30 that is still in the parents' basement playing video games. What's, what's the problem there? There is an individual who did not transition well from one stage of life to the next stage. They're still stuck on... Stu I'm still stuck on... <laughs> so when the mother yells from upstairs, when are you going to get a job? Oh, Ma, come on, leave me alone. Leave you alone? You need to get into the stage of life that you're in and walk that out. All right, I'm going to get carried away here, so. All right. Let, let's talk about this, because I'll go back on some of this stuff next week. Seasons of life. Seasons of life. Let's talk about seasons first. Talk about seasonal battles, okay? The holidays are going to come pretty soon. I'm surprised. I went to, we went to Costco the other day, and I thought to said they probably had the Christmas stuff out already. Very soon, you'll start walking in the stores, because, you know, uh, before Labor Day, they already had the fall stuff out, Thanksgiving stuff, well, Halloween garbage. They all had that stuff out already, right? So very, very soon, we're going to come into the holidays. Now, holidays are a perfect example of seasonal challenges, okay? Uh, when I mention Christmas, most of us, our stomach begins to cramp because you start thinking, oh my God, I gotta go shopping, I gotta go shopping, where am I gonna get the money from? I don't have the money, my credit card's maxed out this year, I can't even do that. So what, what are we doing here? Now, you're gonna have to endure a seasonal battle. You're gonna have to trust God, if you're willing to, that he's either gonna provide for you miraculously or he's gonna give you wisdom on how to shop properly so that you're not paying for little Tommy's tricycle uh, two Februarys from now. Okay, you see what I'm saying? So what, what are you talking about? We're talking about seasonal battles, seasonal challenges that you're going to have to, you're going to have to endure uh, with dependence on God, on, on asking for his grace to how to organize yourself. Our holidays, if you come to our house in, in December, you'll look on the refrigerator and you'll literally see menus. Okay, this is going to take place in this day. I, I can't wait for that. I gotta, this is what we're having. I'm going to have four different dishes. And then, all right, Christmas Eve, this is what we're having. Christmas Day, this is what we're having. Those men, you what? We've got to get organized. Why? We've got a church to run. And so it could get real crazy around our house. All right? But it won't this year. <laughs> so, family gatherings. I used to hate Thanksgiving. Because Thanksgiving, I would say, well, what do we have to spend with these people that we don't see all year long? And the people that I'm around all year long, we don't spend Thanksgiving with. 
So, so what happens? You've got to believe God for grace because we're grace-filled people, yes? yes? To be able to endure those holiday conversations when you sit there and go, he talked about the same thing last year and the year before and the year before and the year before. Yeah, we know you like the dark meat. We know, we know. We've got that. Now, thank God 1 Corinthians 13 says that love endures long. <laughs> through the leftovers, through the dessert, through everything. Now, what about when you have a temporary layoff on a job? Or what about if you're self-employed like I was? You are going to have to endure the hardship of inconsistent paychecks. I grew up in a construction household. As a young child, some of you have heard me talk about this. As a little kid, what little kid doesn't like snow in the winter? They love snow, right? Why? Because you don't go to school. So my father was in the construction business, Mason, okay? If it snows, he doesn't work. But you see, an eight, nine-year-old doesn't think that way. I'd have my face plastered against the window going, yeah, it snows, it snows. And my father would be cursing behind you. Yeah, go ahead, pray for snow because you're not going to have nothing to eat next week. To this day, I think that's why I don't like snow and I don't like the winter. Amen. It gets, so what was it? These are seasonal battles that you and I are going to have to learn how to endure because it's going to happen. And how to get through it and how to come through it on the other side, picking up strength, picking up some experiences that you can help somebody else that hasn't gone through that yet. Are, are you listening? What about relationships? Relationships are seasonal. If you don't understand that, you may try to hold on to a relationship that God is going, uh, enough here, done, move on. Love them and leave them, let's go. I don't mean in that sense. <laughs> now, let's talk about stage of life challenges. Okay? Now, just for relationships. In order to endure through relationships and not lose your mind, and not have a break in a relationship where you just don't talk to each other anymore, you don't want to see each other anymore, you're going to need large doses of love, large doses of forgiveness. If you don't think you're going to have to walk in forgiveness in relationships, you're out of your mind. You probably don't have any. Now, let's talk about stages of life challenges. I talked about the singleness stage. When you're elementary school, you got one set of challenges. When you're a teenager, you got another set of challenges. Now, now, now here you are, a young adult that's single. I'm not going to ask for your show of hands, but just listen. Endurance for the single individual is going to be dependent upon how strong this person's relationship with God developed while they were still teenagers. Say, well, I didn't know Jesus when I was a teenager. All right, then we got to start from scratch. And that's why many times when single individuals, young adults I'm talking about, when they first come to the Lord, they first come to Jesus, they put their faith in him, say, listen now, you're on your honeymoon now. It's just you and him. Don't be looking for anything else. And it's, we used to watch this happen over and over again. A young man would come to church. God would just touch their hearts. They'd come up to the front here just, <laughs> yeah, I want Jesus and they'd be on fire for God. They got three Bibles under one hand. They got, you know, they just, all they want to do is talk about Jesus. And then about two weeks later, some little young lady comes on the scene. And there goes the Bibles. There goes Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. 
Let's talk about marriage. Can I give you a fact for you to please put your trust in? There is no point of perfection in any marriage. It never comes to the place where you say, our marriage is perfect. You are delusional. (laughs) And I'll tell you, I can prove it to you. The reason why I could say without a shadow of a doubt that that marriage is not perfect is because you're still alive. (laughs) The only individuals who said a perfect marriage is if they're dead. You could say, you know, up until the point they died. At that point, their marriage was perfect. After they died, why? Because you can't change anymore. You can't mess things up anymore. You can't come home and make your wife mad. She can't come home and lie to you about all the things that she bought. (laughs) Now watch now. Listen here. uh, I wasn't talking about you. Listen. Listen, we were on vacation a couple weeks ago. We were on vacation a couple weeks ago. My wife and I are walking on a boardwalk, not the one over here. We're walking on a boardwalk. And we're fooling around and stuff, just having fun, and I'm being quirky and stupid. And we just, I was telling this story to the staff the other day. We passed by these two elderly individuals who are sitting on a bench. And, and just by looking at them, they had to be minimum 80 years old. Minimum, 80 years old. And you know how sometimes you walk past and it's like the Holy Spirit has you hone in on a conversation. I wasn't trying to, to eavesdrop. It's just I couldn't help it, you know. <laughs> so, so the woman, this, old, this older woman says, I hear her say this to the husband, do you still love me? Oh, it gets better. And he goes, of course I still love you. Do you still love me? And she goes, yeah. And then he says, then I don't think we should walk away from this. And I went, dear God Almighty, even in the 80s, you're still dealing with this kind of stuff? I looked at her and looked at her and I said, my God, we just hit 40 years. I thought it was good. (laughs) But my point is this, even in that stage of life, they're still going through seasons of change, seasons of challenge. Now, I got a little demonstration for you, a little illustration for you. Because you see, most people have a very unrealistic mindset about marriage. And that's why sometimes it doesn't make it past the 10 years. And then if you make it past the 10 years, now it's a 20-year challenge. Can I please have that illustration on, on the screen? Ladies, that's who you married. <laughs> Ladies, that's who you married. That's what he looked like. That's, what he was, that's how he carried himself. He's, whoa. <laughs> but now 10 years later, <laughs> watch now, still not shabby, but you notice the gray hair. You start to see a little bit of wrinkles, okay? And we're still okay. But watch this now. He's not who he used to be. And so now you've got to determine that you're going to fall in love with this one in this season of life, in that stage of life. Yes or no? Okay, next picture. Here we go, 15, 20 years later, 30 years later. Dignified, right? Dignified, still dresses nice, probably still wears nice cologne, showers every day. Okay, but now watch this now. Look at me now. 
you're going to have to fall in love with this guy at that stage of life. Yes or no? All right? So, he's, he's, not, he's not the hot stud in the first picture. He's not Mr., you know, so got it together, possibly GQ, dignified. But watch this. See, because if you don't fall in love with this guy, you're going to end up missing on some things. However, you're going to have to think realistic because that's the guy you're going to bring to the beach someday. <laughs> Selah. Take it off the screen, my eyes. Just take it off the screen. Are you getting this reality here? If you don't settle in your heart, that you understand, I didn't even want to do the ladies part because that's too... My wife says, aren't you going to do the ladies? I said, come on, Barb. That's hitting below the belt here. Guys can take it. All you ladies laugh. If I had done this with women, you'd go, oh my God, I can't believe he did this. But you understand what I'm saying here. Watch this now. If you don't build the endurance with the young Richard Gear, you'll never make it to the bozo on the beach. <laughs> now watch now. Now watch now. That elderly couple on the boardwalk, I guarantee you, were not seeing each other the way they looked now. They were looking at each other through the same eyes when they said, I do. You're going to learn. You're going to need to learn endurance. Now, another stage of life challenge, it's inevitable that for whatever reason or another, some people end up in divorce. That's a whole nother thing to endure. Yet God's grace is there. At some point in life, we lose a loved one. That's a reality. And God's grace is there. But the reality is this. It's not the same. It's never the same. Now, you can still get up the next day and start living again. But you have to learn to endure. And you're going to have to learn what tools, what empowerment has God made available so that I can endure from one stage of life to the next one and the next. Because listen, I'm going to end with this. It's not about how we start. It's about how we finish. Amen? Why don't you stand up? Listen, next week on Wednesday, we're not going to have service in here. We're doing some remodeling, and I want to tell you what it is. So we won't be here next Wednesday. But we, I'm going to pre-record the rest of this message, and we'll release it on Facebook, and we'll release it on the website, and you'll be able to watch it from home. I hope that you do. In fact, I hope that you call a bunch of people up and say, Listen, you need to hear this message. Because listen, listen, I love you all. 
And I don't want to see anybody fall by the wayside. Life will damage you. Life is tough. It's, if anybody tells you their life is not tough, they're probably either taking too many meds or they're just, they're just not being realistic. Are you listening to me? Life is tough. Don't you think that God knows that life is tough? If he loved us so much that he sent his own son to come to this earth to get nailed to a piece of wood and suffer for hours so that you and I could have our sins removed. If he loved us that much, don't you think he loves us enough to help us walk through the day in and day out challenges of life? Don't you think he loves us enough to empower you and empower me to go from one stage of life to the next stage of life and to handle all the seasonal battles in between there? Of course he does. And we need this because this is where people are losing it. This is what's causing a young teenager who gets rejected by a girl to go and run and take his life because for some reason our society is not building within our generations the ability to endure hardship. Almost everyone in this room knows somebody or a family that has lost a loved one to suicide and, when you, when, and, you, and you talk to them and say, but, but over what? over silly little things. But to that person who never developed the endurance, it was over, just overwhelming. We don't want to see that happen to anybody. We don't want to see that happen to our families, our extended families. So I pray that you'll remember next week to just get somebody, bring them over your house, say, listen, we're going to sit down and watch this together. And we'll finish this message next week. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.